Welcome to the Online for Authors podcast. I'm the founder, Jennifer Palmer. If you've just finished listening to the first part of the interview with Terry and Jerry, there's going to be a bit of a repeat here. Skip ahead. Terry, Jerry, welcome back. Today I'm pleased to welcome Terry M. Brown as our guest host. Terry is an author herself and is considering if a podcast of her own is a fit for her. Until then, we're happy to have her with us. Terry's guest is the CEO and senior consultant of BTR Impact LLC, a consulting and training company focused on helping leaders define success on their terms so they can live fulfilled, meaningful lives with impact and not lose their faith, their families, or their health. His work experience includes serving in the U.S. Army as a combat medic corporate training facilitator, and organizational development leader. He has led in combat zones and corporate offices, learning the ins and outs for building teams and trust through servant leadership. Since 2015, Jerry has been the host and producer of Beyond the Rut podcast, a show that shares encouraging stories and practical advice to help pull listeners out of their ruts and into lives worth living. It's not enough to get out of a rut. He wants you to live beyond the rut. Jerry currently lives in Dallas, Texas, enjoying the empty nester life with his wife, Olivia. They have two adult children, three cats, a dog, and no car loans. So today on Online for Authors, I would like to welcome Jerry Dugan. He is the author of Beyond the Rut, uh, Create a Life Worth Living in Your Faith, family, and career. Welcome, Jerry. Terry, thanks for having me on here. I'm excited. I'm so excited to have you. What is your book, Beyond the Rut? It started off as the manifesto for my podcast by the same name, Beyond the Rut. It's designed to bring together all the lessons learned from that show. Everybody we've interviewed, over 300 guests, have had the same pattern of where they felt stuck in life, even though they had all the boxes checked of what success looked like, the, the right relationship, the right number of kids, uh, the house with the picket fence, the pets, the cars, the salary, they still felt stuck in a rut. And this book walks you through a three phase journey to recognize what that rut is that you're in, whether it's in your faith walk, your family life, your fitness, your finances, or just, you don't see any growth for your future. Uh, Then from there, understanding where you do want to go in those areas of your life and then take action to get there. I walk you through uh, some practical steps to take to create some goals, to be successful in those goals, and to have consistent action every day to build that momentum to to create that life that you feel is worth living in your faith, family, and career. So it's about having your cake and eating it too. You know, have the success in the career and have your family life and the healthy relationships. One of my guests, Brian Crum, he's a hospice chaplain by trade. He's now an administrator for a hospice but he still puts on the chaplain hat. The one thing he always reminded me every time I talked to him is, you know, there's one word that I'd love people to remove and it's it's the knots in their lives, you know, and not K-N-O-T. That's how he's saying it. Right. But what he really means is N-O-T, you know, I'd love to do this, but I'm not smart enough. I'd love to do this, but I'm not equipped enough or experienced enough or I'm not tall enough, whatever the not is, just drop that. And all of a sudden you're like, I am good enough for that. I am smart enough to learn that. I am 
experienced enough to pick up more experiences. Um, I'm connected enough to meet more people to open the doors to get where I need to go. So once you remove those knots, all of a sudden these doors open up and, and, and that's why it's important also to know that you're not alone. There's other people who've gone through those similar journeys and not to say you got to be exactly like them, but to know that they broke through and they got out of their ruts, which means you can also, it's like when uh, Bannister broke the four minute mile, everybody said you, your heart bursts when you do that. And he's like, hold my beer. I don't think he said that, but it's like the redneck. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he did it. And as soon as he broke the four minute mile, and this is like the cliche thing people talk about, but uh, other people did it. They're like, well, it can be done. Boom. Mach one can never be broken. Boom. We can never fly. Well, we fly all the Boom, time now. We do, right. Um, and so all you need to do is see that one person did it. And that lets you know that you can also do it. So. Yeah. I talk a lot about the fact that I lived in an emotionally abusive relationship for 14 years. Mm-hmm. It took that long for me to finally believe in myself enough that I could move beyond it. But, but even then moving beyond it, you still have lots of baggage and whatnot. And I remarried and my husband and I rode across the United States on a tandem bicycle. So 3,102 miles in the summer of 2020. So COVID summer, political unrest summer. And I am not an athletic person. That is, I have many strengths. Athleticism has never been one of them. So for me to make a 3,000 plus mile journey in an athletic way is pretty incredible. And when we got back from that, my thought was, is I can do anything. Now, what do I want to do? Like, what is it that I've been wanting to do? So, and that's when I became an author. That's when I started writing books because I had manuscripts that I hadn't let anyone see because I wasn't good enough. The not, not, not. So when you were saying that, I thought, oh, I can tell you a, a million knots that I had, but there was something about achieving something that was kind of like outside of myself that, that pushed me. But I love sharing my story with people because I know there are other women who are trapped in relationships that are not good, whether it's emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, just bad for whatever reason, that there, there is, there is a way beyond. And even though it might not feel like it right now, I'm proof you can move beyond. And so I do like that idea of, of we're not alone. We're not alone yeah. in anything. You know, all of us, if, you, if you're willing to open up, you'll find someone else who says, Hey, me too. You yeah. Know? So I mean, the, the, the me too movement the itself too movement, right. was because some, someone was brave enough to put themselves out there and say, this happened to me. And, and someone else was like, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. And then before long, the number of people that came forward and said, well, you're not the only one. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that, that what you're doing is very similar in terms of this idea of being stuck in these ruts that you're not alone. You're not the yeah. only man or woman who has experienced this, feels this way, is dealing with these things, who feels like, wait a minute, I've checked all the boxes and I'm still miserable. Why is that? Yes. So, yeah, I like yeah. that. One of my football coaches were really good in high school about, you know, helping me forget I was five foot four and have this mentality that I was six foot two and just as big as everybody else and, and taught me how to hit these guys as equally hard as they could hit. 
But then fast forward after college, when I joined the army, I'm in basic training and, you know, for the tall guys, they would look at my height five foot four as a weakness. I would even believe it was a weakness. And I remember getting on top of an obstacle course towards the end of the cycle. And, and I sat up there and Joel Sergeant of Brew is at the top. And it's like, he just sees me up there, like taking in the sights, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to get up and over the obstacle and back down. I'm taking a deep breath. I'm looking around over the treetop line and, and he's like, Hey, what's going on private? I'm like, just soaking an drill sergeant. I, I didn't expect a short guy like me to get up here. And he's like, get off the obstacle. <laughs> what am I? I'm not. It, it, drill sergeant Abreu was my height. He was five foot four. So anytime I had the, I didn't think because I'm short excuse, he was ready to, you know, do everything but smack me because he's like, so am I. And I can do it. Get off the obstacle now. <laughs> and, and off we go. We're like, Oh, you think you're not fast enough. I'm faster than you go. <laughs> right, boom, right. Take off. And, and it's just, he would always remind you your, your physical uh, makeup wasn't an excuse. It was all in the head. It's all in your mind. Uh, when you see it can be done, it can be done. And, uh, and, and so that was always a great reminder. And, you know, even when I was tired, he's like, so what? So am I. And, you know, up, I'm up. It's so important to see other people succeed and, and not see them succeed and think that'll never happen for me or see them, ex- you know, succeed and say, I have to have exactly that. It's to see somebody else succeed and say, I can also have my own success now. now and the rest of the book is about, and it's a thin book. So it's like, wow, this is in there. Yeah. It's about what is success for you? Like I was a pre-med right. student with a 2.1 GPA and it's because it wasn't my dream to be a doctor. It was my mom's dream to be a doctor. And when I realized that and let go of it, I was able, well, it was a longer journey because now I had to rediscover myself. I'm like, what do I want to do? What right. is my, right. my purpose here? And, and now I'm in it, but uh, it, it took a while to get there. And it, well, I think it would have happened faster if I just listened to my wife sooner to be honest, because uh, she always thought to say, "Oh, oh man. excellent well, thing to That's why <laughs> I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. <laughs> um, yeah, we were in church, and our pastor had said, "Because uh, at this time I was in real estate as an agent, I was pretty much broke because the market had you know shifted, and I didn't." Yeah. And our pastor says, "You already have what you need to take the next step." And I was like. I have a GI bill I haven't touched. And so I wrote a note to my wife, even though I'm taking notes to write curriculum for my pastor um, based on his sermon so that small groups can use it. I turned to my wife and I pointed at my note and, and it just said, I need to go back to school and get a master's degree. And then she looked at me and she asked in what? And I write down master's business administration, MBA. And she had this look on her face that I now call the Holy spirit face. Like, <laughs> Is it something smarter than me? I need to listen. And uh, she said, I think you need to get something in education. And I'm like, what does she know? Like, I didn't say that out loud, fortunately, but I thought it. I'm like, what does she know? And as soon as I said that to myself in my head, it was like I had this like flashback open up in my eyes. Uh, You know, the pre-med student who couldn't pass a class for his life, but tutored people to pass the class. The same classes I was failing with a D or an F. I was tutoring people to get A's and B's. Um, and my my faculty advisor saw that. He even said, you need to switch over to education. And I, I said, no, those who can't do, teach. Teach, uh, right. <laughs> and that was it. He just From then on, he just signed my form and sent me on my way. <laughs> but uh, And then even in the Army, as a medic, I was the guy that, even though I was into sergeant yet, 
the sergeants in my unit would ask me to do sergeant's time training and, and lead training exercises and uh, training sessions. And uh, I even had the task of making sure the Gomer pile in our uh, basic training unit passed basic training. Like I had to tutor that guy. And even in real estate sales, my first job out of the army was doing new employee orientation and training. Uh, even in real estate, I was taking over the sales training for the company. And here I am telling my wife, I'm not supposed to do education. And it's like, no, you do nothing but education. You know, that's what you do. Right. Right. And when you look at even what you were doing with your podcast, what you were doing with your church, what you were doing, that's, that's all was education oriented all in the name of helping other people figure out things they weren't figuring out on their own. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even now on the speaking side of my business, you know, there are people who get up and they do nothing but tell stories the whole time or lecture. And when I look at my keynote, there are activities in there that help people really dive in. What is my leadership credo? Uh, What is success for me uh, to in my career? What does success look like in my life, my family, and so on? Uh, now that I've learned this tent model that Jerry talks about on the leadership side, what am I going to do differently? And I won't stop until people have taken notes. What will they do differently? And take some. And so like even in the keynote, there's a teaching moment in there that they, the audience, have to pause and reflect and make a decision on something right. before I move on. And uh, yeah, so it's it's there. Uh, it it took a while for me to listen to my wife on that. Uh, a good gosh, about a, almost a decade. <laughs> it took a while. All right, you talk about five Fs. So the five Fs are really the lens that I look at my life. So when I define what does success look like for myself. I look at it from the lens of these five Fs. What does my faith journey look like? How does my faith guide me? And how does it set precedent for everything else that I do? Um, And that really boils down to like, what would Jesus do? You know, like, would he make fun of these folks? Probably not. Would he ostracize certain people? Depends on what they're doing. Uh, We'd be surprised at who he does ostracize or or yell at or chastise. And it's, it's not the marginalized <laughs> and it's like oh he goes after the legalistic but anyway that's that's me getting on my soapbox so so my faith drives me first and foremost so um that guides everything then my family is my most important relationship so my wife my children the extended family my community that falls under family for me uh fitness is both third but also at the center of the list because without good physical and mental and emotional health it's very easy to sabotage everything else in your life. So while you put God first and your family second, taking care of yourself is at the core because if you're tired, you might say some dumb things to your family. You you might use some names in vain type of thing. (laughs) And then mental health, if you're not your best form mentally and emotionally, and you don't have that good EQ emotional quotient going, you can undermine a lot of important relationships in your life both now and in the future. So there's that. And the finances, especially for men, we tend to be brought up thinking that manhood is also about earning a lot of money, earning a paycheck, earning the promotions, getting that clout uh, in the professional sense. And I even run into men who think that if you're starting a business, it's okay to put so much effort into your business that your family loses out on spending time with you. and Almost every time I've seen somebody say that or do that, either A, 
their family wound up falling apart and what they have left is a business they don't care for anymore because the whole point was to support the family and they're gone right or they are still in their family but they're a horrible pill to swallow every time they're around they're talented terror just like nobody cheers when they come through the door the finance part is they're on on the five because you got to manage your money well uh, to get the most out of it to support your faith your family and your health and also fund your future growth and possibilities uh, which is the last f the finances are not at the top of the list they're not even second on the list not even third on the list because those three are much more important than the pursuit of money money's important it buys things makes life easy in some ways but it's not the thing to chase alone and, and as the top priority and then of course future growth uh, you know, the one thing they cannot take away from you, they can take your house, they can take your car, whoever they is, uh, <laughs> the aliens, we'll say the aliens take the aliens. it. Um, <laughs> it's always the aliens uh, or Jerry. It was Jerry's fault. No, I did not take your house. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but always growing, always learning. Uh, and you might come across an old problem again. Now you have new perspective because you're, you're learning, you're learning from people, you're learning from podcasts, you're learning from books like ours. And because of that expanded mindset, that expanded horizon, you're going to also find yourself being found much more valuable in team meetings and businesses uh, in speaking engagements, writing books, whatever it is, people are going to go to you as the person with the answers. And it's because you keep reading, you keep growing, you take, you take in more information, you really scrutinize that information and see how does this fit with what I do believe? Do I have to change what I believe? You know, maybe some of my beliefs are built off of information that is not correct. And now that I have new information that's valid and accurate and trustworthy, I got some decisions to make about who I am and what I believe in and what my stakes are in the ground. Because I know there's some things now that I believe in that I probably would have taken a harder stance on a decade, decade and a half ago. And mm -hmm. um, it's just because you're always growing and always meeting new people. Yeah. So even our stages of life change yes. sometimes so that that what was a truth 20 years ago, a truth for you, you know, I don't mean an eternal truth, but a truth for you isn't necessarily true anymore. For instance, you're an empty nester now. So some of the things that may have been true for you when your children were young have changed somewhat. The time that you need to spend, you know, even the fear of finances and a few other things, things change as we change, you know, as yeah. our situations around us change. And so there, it, it's that idea of kind of like evaluating constantly evaluating and looking and seeing is the truth that I've always held to be true still indeed true. You know, yeah. did I learn something new? Have I moved to a different stage in my life? Yeah, I like that. That's good. One of the things that you recommend, and I love it because as a writer, I, you know, I put everything down. I have lists and notes and goals and <laughs> notebooks and I'm that person, but you talk about writing down your goal. And that, yes. you know, having a, a written, tangible goal like that is crucial to actually then doing something about it. I, first of all, writing is creation. You know, it's uh, I, I know in the Bible, like in the beginning, there was the word and the word was with God right. and that phrase. But also the moment you take any idea and you put it on paper, you've made a creation. You know, I, I was watching a special behind the 
attraction and it was like a story about the disney castles how each park has its own castle the story behind it and so on and i think it's the one in shanghai that started off with a sketch on a napkin and there are hundreds of sketches on napkins from different architects and artists but the castle there started as a sketch on a napkin and so that was the first iteration of a creation that until it went on that napkin it was just an, a thought in somebody's mind it was abstract it had no form to it um no one else knew about it but the moment that artist sketched it out on a napkin and handed it over to one of the imagineers who was involved in the project to break ground and all that stuff he now created a, a concept a concrete concept uh, that people could look at and say, oh yeah, that's really neat. I like the flourishes here. I like how the, the spires have that bulb to them and all those things. And then from there, they went back and said, can you kind of expand on this? And he drew out the entire castle and they said, now can you show it from the backside and the left and the right? And, and so he did. And, and writing our goals is the same way. You know, I, I write to people all the time that say, I want to write a book someday. I want to write a book someday. I got a friend mm -hmm. who's been living the nomad life since 2019, calls himself Wandering Steve. He's the one with multiple books in his mind. He's written them out on paper and he's typed them out, uh, but he's got a lot of other ideas that just stay on his phone or they just stay in his head or he just talks and shares about it. But there's no direction. There's no plan. These are just ideas now on paper. Now, taking goals and writing those on paper, he now has a map. So if he says, now I'm going to take my first draft and send it to an editor by the end of 2023, he now has a goal and he has action steps that he needs to take to get to that goal. Well, what's the point of taking it to an editor? Oh, that's to have a, a draft that's been looked at by a professional so I can have a second draft by February and then have the, the editor review that draft by march and then after that i've got a manuscript so now i need to get the thing formatted and a cover designed okay boom boom and what else do i need? i don't know and I, I call jerry and ask him who he worked with call right. you know terry who does she work with uh, right. and now you start mapping out these action steps that go with the one singular goal which is i want to publish a book by middle of 2024 that will help people do this this and this and it's when you write it out, you've got that direction, that vision, that mission statement that says, that's what I'm going to do. And now you can work backwards and say, okay, what do I need to do to get there? I need to have this, 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 and this. So now I have sub goals or objectives. Uh, but it's when you write them out and make it clear, this is what I'm going to do. You can now keep going back to it. You can put it on a poster and put it on your wall. Uh, you can put it on your phone. So it pops up all the time. You can write it on Christmas cards. That worked for somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, there's, there's all kinds of things you could do, but I mean, write it out, make it clear and put it somewhere. You're going to see it on a regular basis and you're going to start taking steps towards it because you're going to look at it and say, oh, I need to go that way. It's like looking at a map saying, oh, okay, I'm in Indiana, but I need to ride my bike to California or to Washington. That map tells me the direction I need to go. And that's the same with goals. When you write out your goals and objectives, as well as why you want to achieve these, it's tangible, it's real. It's like it becomes a real paper map in a sense. Yeah, it becomes an intention. Yes. It's, it's that thing that you intend to do. I had a really hard time for a long time with goals because when I would write one down, if I didn't achieve it, 
then I felt horrible about myself. And then, you know, in fact, I used to say I don't write goals down because that way when I don't achieve them, I don't have to feel bad. But I changed my mindset on that to it's an intention and it's okay to go back and take a look at those goals and say, this isn't really working for me. Yeah. Maybe this isn't the right goal. Maybe I need to be looking at something a little to the right or left of this thing because that's not where I am yet. And so this is a this isn't a bad goal. It's just not the right goal for me now. And so I write goals at the beginning of my year and then I go back through pretty much quarterly. I mean, it's not like I have it on the calendar, but quarterly and kind of like reevaluate. Is this still where I want to be going or has something changed? Has has something else creeped up that is now more important or has changed the importance of I really wanted to get that done by such and so a date. For instance, my husband uh, has brain cancer. And so that now takes precedence. And he and I doing things together is more important than if I get my book done by a certain date. It's not that I don't want the book, but maybe what I need is a little more time. So you go back and you say, well, a better date would be And then you just adjust. So I like the idea of writing it down, but it took a long time because I didn't see it as an intention. I saw it as a proof of failure. (laughs) So, And I didn't like having someone be able to point and say, see, you didn't make it. Yeah. You know, I've come across a lot of folks that they don't like to have written goals because they they feel the same way. They look at their goal and they're like, they, they see it as failure as opposed to like what you talked through is, is my approach to goals. And I picked this up from, um, first coach I ever had as a professional, this was back in my real estate days, Tori Erickson. And he realized there were some metrics that I, some activities I just kept avoiding every single week, every single call. And he's like, Jerry, you pay good money to have me talk to you and help guide you through your goals. Now there's one goal in particular that you have put zero effort into, but you tell me every time we talk to each other, this is something you want to pursue. But then I look at your activities and you've done nothing for it and you'll divert your energies to other things. So my question to you is, is this goal really your goal? And is it something important for you? Does it support what you want to achieve? And I thought, I don't even remember what the goal was. I just remember that lesson. Like that goal really does not matter to me. I don't want to create this thing and have to put up with it every month or so. Yeah, it could turn out X number of leads, but I get a lot of return on this effort anyway. So what if I just not, not do that thing and focus on this activity? He's like, great, let's do that. Um, so let's cross that off. Boom. And I was like, that's it. I, I'm not a horrible real estate agent. For that. Just, no. <laughs> it would have been if you kept trying to do it and you didn't have the heart for it. And, uh, and then like fast forward, actually around the same time, my friend, Scott Walker, um, always wanted to get everybody in the men's group to do a fast. So the core group of leaders in the men's ministry, yeah, let's do a fast to kick this thing off. And I'm like, I like tacos too much. I'm not with you on this one, buddy. <laughs> I will get up in the morning and pray, but I don't, I don't, the fasting, I don't, I'll just fast because Scott Walker told me to, or my friend, Sean, one of the original guys on this show beyond the rut. Uh, it was, his thing was any type of challenge we got into, there had to be a cold shower challenge involved. And I'm like, 
nah, that's fine. I I torture myself in other ways. I don't need cold water to, to add on top of that. I got enough hard things I put into my life already. And so those are just some things like on a lighter sense of like, those aren't important to me. And I'm not just going right. to jump on the am I going to do it with people. But then I have other goals where it's like, is that still important for me? And how does that impact my faith, my family, my fitness finances and my future? And you know, why did I leave my corporate job that was paying really well? And I had promise of becoming a vice president someday because it was impacting not my faith walk, but it made my wife say, I want my husband back. And that was a big red flag. Like, wait, what? What? (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. And to find out from her that our kids also who were visiting at the time. So my daughter came, visited, went home and back to Corpus Christi and then called, hey, are you dad? Okay. Uh, he, He seems like he's not happy. Is that with you? And and Liv talked her through and said, no, no, it, it's it's work. He's not happy there. And then our son visited a few months after that. When he got home, he's like, mom, are you and dad okay? And if you ever need a place to stay, we got a room for you. And Liv had never shared any of that with me until uh, the weekend when I was about to put in my resignation, but I was kind of like at a loss for what do I do? That's when she said she wanted her husband back. That's when she shared me these stories. I asked her why she didn't share those stories with me before. She said, because you were working on a really big project. It was good for your career. And I said, have you not? Oh yeah. You don't listen to my show. <laughs> I, was like, I would choose family over finances and career any day of the week. And she said, fine, then quit your job. And I was like, for real? She said, yeah. If that's what you truly believe that family is more important than your career, then I want you back. I went back to, I went to my computer and I typed up a letter of resignation. Of course it was a, it was a weekend. So I had to wait till the next work day to actually send it off. Because I wanted to talk to HR first and all that. So there was a bunch of stuff behind that. It was through the lens of the five F's that it was like, this career path isn't worth staying on right now because it's It's not doing for you. Right. It's not doing for you what you wanted. The goal seemed appropriate when you said it and it just isn't now. And I think it's it's wonderful to be able to say that, to be able to look and say, why, why am I struggling with this goal? Is it because... I really am not working toward it. I'm avoiding something. Or is it that I really don't want it? I just don't want it. You know, it's not my goal. It's someone else's. I think that we do that a lot yeah. for ourselves too, is where we, oh, yeah. we have that, you know, you said that you, you wanted to be a doctor because your mother wanted you to be a doctor, right? Oh, yeah. And there's all of that. I was going to be a doctor. Okay. I, I got all the way through high school knowing I was going to be a doctor. I got into college. I'm a good student, so I didn't have problems with the classes. I hated them. I was taking a chemistry class, which, by the way, I failed. And I failed it not because I couldn't do the work, but because I hated it so much I quit going. You cannot pass chemistry if you don't go. Yeah, I did that for one of my classes. Just in case case you're wondering, you you cannot pass a chemistry class if you do not attend, especially don't attend the labs. I just hated it. The problem was like you. I realized this is not for me. I don't even like the sight of blood. Like, what am I doing here that I had no idea? I had never explored any other options. Yeah. Because I was going to be a doctor. I never even doubted it until it became the thing I was working towards. So I like that idea of being able to say, this goal isn't for me. And it's perfectly acceptable to switch it up. Oh, yeah. 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 Like Bon Jovi said, right? It's my life. It's my life. Now or never. 
Well, now or never. And that's exactly the, oh, wow, that just leads right into this next thing that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> you you have action steps, but I know that a lot of people put the brakes on, like they've, they've looked and they said, okay, I'm in a rut and I can identify my rut and I can even put a goal out there, but now is not the time. It's not now because things aren't perfect. When my children, you know, graduate high school or when I have $10,000 in my bank account or when we've paid off our mortgage or when you name whatever the win is, that's when I'll do it. But you talk about kind of the power of now. The the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. Right. And you're like, oh, well, that was 10 years ago. Well, what's the next best time to plant a tree? It's right now. Right um, now. But now yeah. you got to wait 10 years. And it's, it's, like, it's like that. Whatever big endeavor you feel is worth taking now's a great time to do it and the big motivator for me was when i was in the army i did i did some traveling you know i did um you know space available travel which in the military sounds really cool but uh, it could be a planes trains and automobiles type of um, arrangement depending on what happens so space available travel is any branch of the service if you're near an air force base if they've got space available on that flight and you've got orders to be on leave on t- you know paid time off, then you could fly wherever that plane is going and, and hang out at that air base or hopefully to fly back to the U S so you get a free flight home and it's really cool. One of my flights, one of my space aid flights, I only did it a few times. There was one flight and there was a group of retirees. These guys had served, I think in the Korean war, they were like reuniting and they're doing this tour and traveling the world. They're retired. They can do whatever they want. They got their income showing up in the bank every, you know, every month. But I was listening to them talk about the people who could not go with them, not because they were passed away, but because their health conditions were so bad that they had to stay close to their hospital. They had to stay close to their doctor or they couldn't get on a plane to begin with. Just how sad it was that they waited this long to realize they couldn't travel at all. Like they worked their life in the army or the Navy or whatever branch they were in. And then when they got out of the military, they picked up a career and they just worked it hard day in and day out, never took a break. Now that they're retired, their bodies are so broken that they can't go anywhere. And I thought that is sad that you've spent your whole life saying someday I will go there someday aisle, which I sometimes refer to as a place. Someday I'll go there. Someday I'll write my book. Someday I will, uh, again, my friend, Steve put out there the 120 songs I've written someday that time comes and you're like in no condition to do it or you pass away and you never even got to realize it. Like how many people do we know that they died and they had all these unfinished projects under the bed yeah, or, the, just, or the bucket list you know the yeah. big long bucket list in fact i no longer believe in bucket lists i hate them it, my thought is is if you're going to put something on a bucket list you need to have a date next to it and if and yeah. if you can't have a date next to it then just forget it for now come back to it when you can put a date next to it going back to our big bicycle ride we almost didn't get to go because we were supposed to leave in the middle of may 2020, okay, COVID. Yeah. Everything is closed in 2020. Yeah. We can't even get on a plane in May. And like, so, you, get a deer so, and tan it. And- <laughs> I mean, you know, and it was like, okay, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to do it. We live in North Carolina. We've got to get out to, to Oregon so that we can start and then cross the, all the way across 
a country that is essentially closed. We're not going to be able to do it. And so we we packed up our stuff as though we weren't going to be able to go, but but it felt so horrible that we then started looking at, well, what could we do? How could we possibly do this? When is the very latest that we could start and still make it across before the weather got so bad that we wouldn't be able to do it? You know, like we had all of those things and we went. We thought we would get started in the middle of May. We didn't get started until June 28th. We had set June, uh, July 15th as our last possible day to start. So, I mean, you know, kind of squeaked in under the wire. But we did it and we made it. And I look now at things that have happened since then because we had talked about, well, we'll just do it the following year. Well, the following year, my husband hurt his shoulder and he would have had, it would have been miserable for him. The year after that, we found out he had brain cancer. We wouldn't be able to go on this trip. Yeah. His recent diagnosis has made me realize bucket lists are for fools. Like I can't stand the, the bucket list idea. It, it's go, if you want to do it, go do it. And if you don't want to go do it, stop talking about it. Like, yeah. just, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you kind of hit a little button there, but that that idea of like you said, looking under their bed and finding, you know, the the unfinished quilt or the the, the train set that that was never, you know, that they only have like two or three houses that they built for it, but you have eighteen other models there that have never been never been done, or the book that was partially written, or any of those things, you know, it's it's sad. So I like the idea of you know now. Like, what can yeah. you do now to start moving yourself in that direction? So. Yep. My my wife, well, she doesn't do it as much now because she understands the why behind it. But I would always be planning a trip somewhere. And, like, what would it cost to go to Walt Disney World again this year? What would it cost to go, like, I'm, I do have a bucket list. It's a short one. But, I don't know, I keep adding things to it. Uh, so I have to reevaluate it. But one of the things I really want to do is to do a world tour of all the Disney parks around the globe. Uh, now while there's still only six and I keep telling my wife that I'm like we keep waiting they're going to keep expanding it's going to get even more expensive we got to do this now uh, and so I've been pricing like what would that look like what would the execution look like you know, are we talking and this is the thing that freaked her out was she was thinking we give up everything take a sabbatical and do nothing but for like two months go to every single park she's like I'll be parked out by the end of the first week it's like, yeah, me too. Let's maybe once a year we go to one. And, and so we started planning that out. But to her, she thought it was just a pipe dream. I'm like, no, I seriously want to do this. And I seriously want to take our family to Japan sometime. I want to go back to Europe and actually do the hostel thing from south to north. Maybe we'll wait for some conflicts over there to be finished first. Do the touristy things while we're still mobile and not in wheelchairs yet. And like, those are all things I want to do. And you know, we can't do it if we're getting car loans all the time or if we're getting like cool doodads and gadgets. And um, and so it's like, let's work together to make that dream come true. But what's also your dream? And she's like, I'm an introvert. I like to just stay home and do arts and crafts. I'm like, yeah, that's so weird. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm an extrovert. I want to get out there. I want to interact with the world. And she's like, I like being here. And And for her, though, she shared with me that I've helped stretch her out of her comfort zone quite a few times and, and she's been grateful for it. Like we went on a cruise, I think a year ago. Yeah. About a year ago, we went on our, our first cruise ever. And I wanted to go on one for 
at least a decade and we'd always find an excuse not to go oh, it's too expensive let's go here instead oh, it's expensive let's do something else let's it's expensive let's not go at all and uh my friend brian parker was like they're not that expensive like we we sail out of galveston they're cheap and he's like we'll do a five-day cruise and we don't even have to have an exterior you get whatever room you want looking into the promenade they got them on sale right now for 60 percent off and i look at i'm like live it is like 300 bucks per person to go for five days and and she's like ah that i'm like let's go i've got pto our project is done at work i need time off i don't care what my boss says my team is fully equipped to take care of the work and my team even said jerry you need to go do this and and so we booked we went and uh she still talks about that cruise in in a positive way and she would not have if we just put it off for one more year so and we're just talking about cruises but i mean anything worth doing like you said is worth starting now what's the the thing you could you could do one thing you could be like me and just have your hands in a few things uh and you know priority has goes to one thing or another but right you know i I keep all rolling on multiple things at the same time like you said that the idea of well if you have car loans you're not going to be able to do these things so it it affects other decisions this is something i really want to do we're not going to be able to do it this year but we're going to be doing it and the only way we can do that is if we choose not to have an expensive car loan yeah you know and so it it helps you know you know, do we really need that new vehicle? No, I don't think we do because I would rather, I would rather do whatever. It's interesting when I met my husband, um, I had been wanting an adventure. It was something I wanted to do. I, I think I had been in that bad relationship. I think I wanted to do something that proved that I still had something inside of me, which is crazy. Um, but it's where I was. And he has always wanted to ride across the United States on a bicycle. He's wanted to do it since 1976. Um, And when he said that, it was like, oh, that would be an adventure. And so my first question to him was, so is this something you're going to talk about until the day you die? Or is this something you're going to do? And he said, no, I I really want to do it. We were just dating. And I said, count me in. I had no intention of marrying him. I had no intention of ever being married again. I was done with that. Um, But I thought he seems nice enough. He's a, he's a gentleman. I could ride across the United States with him. This would be a cool thing. We ended up married for a little over a year before we ended up going, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, you know, he tells everyone that he chased me until I caught him. That's how he puts it. Oh. We went across and did this cool thing, but my question had been to him, this idea of, is this just like a pipe dream? Or you really, really want to do it. And he really wanted to do it. And from that point, everything that we did moved us in that direction. Wow. Because that's what we wanted to do. That was yeah. that was the driving factor. So, yeah, I like that. Well, Jerry, this has been wonderful. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you if they want to know more or they want to get your book or they want to be a guest on your podcast or whatever? How do they get up with you? Awesome. The The best way is the website beyondtherut.com. Um, and from there, you can go to everything, the social media, the blog posts, the podcast episodes, and so on. Um, oh, if anybody wants a copy of the audiobook version of Beyond the Rut, uh, beyondtherut.com slash audiobook. I gave it away for free and uh, stay in touch with you. So there you go. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful.
Same here, Terry. Thank you. If you missed the first part of this conversation, go back an episode. You'll find it's worth it. Thank you, Visibility Pod, for all your services and management of our podcast.